Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. We are compelled to know the Bible because outside of it, there is no hope. Well, I guess I'll go home. <laughs> As we said last week, what we are talking about is place. The value of place. Judah, Judas was in his own place, and rather than changing his place, He went back to his own place when he denied Christ. The problem we have in life is that we we build ourselves a place around ourselves and what a struggle it is to come out of that place. But I want to establish the value of place because it's the key to the scripture and there are, as we discussed last week, prepositions that explain to us the value of place. Like in him. That means that there is a position in Christ. And we take that position in him. We're not discussing what the him, the him is Christ, but it's not him personally nor directly. It is our acceptance of who he is in the church, which is his body. We must be in him. And you wouldn't expect to be in him and have it wear Buddha's name. There are only two places to die. We either die in the Lord or out of the Lord. So place is very critical, and today we're talking about about hope, that in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 6, we have introduced to us a living hope. But first of all, let's go back to our original text in Philippians chapter 3 and uh, Philippians 3 and verses 8 and 9. I want to keep going over this for a while because, well, let, let me say this, that in October we tend to include our, re, re, uh, restart our revelation classes in, in, and I don't know whether I will make it through in that last year or not. We'll go as far as we can. And also, after the first of the year, my intent is to open up the Tuesday night class if ever anyone, if there's any interest in the Tuesday night class after the first of the year. Uh, there are things that I'd like to accomplish in my primary last year uh, with the church here, and, and that is to establish the value place as it relates to all the other issues we've been through and that we get a mental image of what it means to be in the right place. So we begin with Philippians chapter 3 today in verse 8. Again, the knowledge of knowing Jesus as my Lord. Notice what he says again, more than that. 
I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I don't know how many times we could read that, but we'll keep reading it until maybe sometime it'll, you know, really take hold and we'll get a handle on that. For whom I, Paul, have suffered the loss of all things. And that's the test of where you place something is what you are willing to suffer to get it or to be there. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. What are you willing to count as rubbish in order to gain Christ and to be positioned in him? And that is what verse 9 then introduces to us, that value of place, and may be found where? In him. So our, our hope then is to be in him. Because in him is where all of God's hope that he has made available to us is found, is in him. It is a place to be entered. And what a place it is, because we're going to be discovering from 1 Peter chapter 1 in just a few moments, some of the places, some of the things are involved in this place. It's like a house. And you have a house and you have, you have all, all of the commodities in that house. You have a refrigerator and all the provisions in the refrigerator. And you have all the things needed for life in that house. And so the body of Christ, which is his church, we find all of God's provisions found there. That's why... Satan has gone to so much work to pervert it. In him, we discover everything there is that we need to have in life to make life worth living. And there is one difference between an obedient Christian and an unbeliever. And that one thing is hope. It may not be the only difference, but it is the distinguishing difference is that Christians have hope. Let's go back to First Peter chapter three. Um, <clears throat> I didn't give any I didn't give any heads up to uh, Alex on this today, but in, in First Peter chapter three, the the one thing that distinguishes us from and you from anyone else particularly those who are not believers and obedient believers, is that, you know, everybody has to die. You notice that? Everybody has to die. It is appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. Then we face God. Everybody has to go through that. Everybody will have to face God. But the one thing that distinguishes the obedient Christian from an unbeliever is hope. And that ought to be the one thing that stands out in our life is our hope. Look, look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. 
Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. You're in him. Now then sanctify or you separate, you get things clear as to who Christ is. Always being ready. Always being ready. To make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is among you. And it should be among you. In is singular, it's dative, you is plural, it's a corporate pronoun. And so the hope that is among you, the Christians who make up that group, need to be able to give an account for the hope of that group that you are a participant in. And do it with gentleness and with reverence. So the one thing that stands out that people are going to see and that people are going to want to ask about because you are, they are intrigued by something you have that they don't have, and that is that you have hope and you look forward to that hope. Really? I'm wondering if the world really sees the hope that we have as Christians. Is it really expressed by our lives? So that they will ever come to the point where they ask us about, how, what is it that makes you tick? That word hope is found in the Bible 150 times. Now you can go there and count it and you may find 151. But it's found 150 times in the Bible, and sometimes it speaks of patient hope. Sometimes it speaks of restful hope. Sometimes it speaks of good hope, better hope, vain hope, vain hope. You know, hope that really isn't going anywhere. Unrealized hope, hope that you may possess that can never be reached. It's out of reach. Lost hope, hope that you've had, but you lose it. Things have fallen apart for you. And on and on in all of these different usages. Bollinger's Critical Dictionary defines hope this way. It is the expectation of something future. But he doesn't end there with his definition. An expectation that is well-grounded, Gladly and firmly held the prospect of a future good. Let's get a further definition from Romans chapter 8 and verse 24. Romans 8, 24. For in hope, now you see we have talked about in him in Philippians 3, 9. Now in hope. Position in hope. So we move from being out of hope and we move into hope so that our position is now in hope. In hope we have been saved. So where are you saved? You're saved when you are in hope and hope is in Christ, so you must be in Christ. Hope that is seen is not hope. For he who hopes what he has, for who hopes for what he has already seen or what he already sees? That's not hope. 
But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. So hope is premised on faith. Faith is believing what God has said about things that you cannot see. And when we believe in what God has said about things that we cannot see, now we have a development of faith and our hope is premised on that faith of what, about what God has said that we cannot see. I think in Proverbs 13 and verse 12, we have one of the saddest scriptures about hope. The first part of that verse says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, the kid, you promise a kid something, he looks forward to it. I remember one time I had promised my son that we were going to do something. I don't remember what that something was. And the day came when we had a day off and we were going to do whatever it was we had planned to do. And we were in the living room on the Columbia River Gorge. And we were playing football catch in the living room. Mamas, that's a no-no in the house. And I kept throwing the football harder at him, and he kept catching it. Finally, I thought, I'm going to really throw it hard this time. And it hit him right on the end of the finger. Popped it out of joint. Well, we had to take him to the hospital. And get that finger, you know, they put a shot into it so they could stretch it out and put it back into joint again. It was either a thumb, maybe it was a thumb, I don't remember for sure. But it crushed the day. All that we had planned for in our travel, whatever it was, had been deferred by an accident. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Don't promise things that you cannot follow through on and carry out with. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And now in 1 Peter chapter 1, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he talks about the idea of a living hope. A lively, lively, lively hope. A hope that has life versus a sickly or even merely a patient, resting hope. But a hope that has life in it, that generates life. And that brings us back to Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12 again, because the, rest, the last part of that verse, the last half of that verse, which begins, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, it finishes once hope is fulfilled. It is a tree of life. So we look forward to our hope bringing to us that tree of life. So Philippians, 1 Peter, I mean, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 uh, talks about, or in uh, chapter, um, what verse? Verse 3, has caused us to be born again to, or caused us to be begun again into and to and into a living hope. Because this living hope is going to bring us into that, uh, that uh, tree of life. So that's the kind of hope we want to focus on, and that's the kind of hope that's focused in Christ. 
that's there. So each of us needs to be serious about asking ourselves then, how did we come to whatever hope it is we have? How did you come to your hope? You have a hope. You have a hope that drives you through life, that keeps you moving in a, in a direction in life. How did you come to that hope? Has it been developed out of the place you've made for yourself like Judas? Or is it the place where God has placed hope that you are a participant of? And that we have to answer. That's a question that each individual must deal with. So there's one more element here that I want to deal with before we get into our First Peter text and look at a contextual analysis of it. The, the, the human u- uniqueness that separates us from all of the other creatures that God has made is having a capacity for faith. Did you notice that everything on television, all the advertisements, are all building on that capacity for you? You have faith. You have faith that when you hear certain things, it will recreate, create an interest, so much so that you will go out and purchase that product. That's, the, that's tapping the human capacity for faith. That's the human uniqueness. I just never see, I, you know, with the dairy cows, I never saw a cow utilizing that with another cow. You've had cattle. Pat, you've had cattle. You like cattle? I love cattle. I love cows. But, you know, you, you, you just never see them, um, you know, sitting on their haunches on the side of a hill looking at the beautiful sunset. And just drooling over the beauty of the sunset. You never see a cow doing that. And, and you don't see them talking to one another. Cattle or cows. Meet cattle. Talking about each other about hope. Well, I sure hope to be eaten by the right kind of guy. <laughs> I don't think that's what they're hoping at all. So... They don't deal with the faith issue because that's unique to the human race. That's the uniqueness of being human is that we have the capacity for faith. That is, believing enough in something on the basis of evidence that it will motivate us to do something. That's faith. And so our faith in becoming a part of the body of Christ where hope is is that we have to utilize that ability and that uniqueness of faith has to be so real to us that we will do what it takes to be in Christ where his hope is. That's why you can't separate faith and hope. The song that Gail played for us last week, Faith, Hope, and Charity. That's the way to success. That's the way to success as a Christian life. <clears throat> so we have, to, we have to be sure then that we are utilizing that capacity for faith because there cannot be any hope without it. And he has chosen us because uh, we have made our choice to be in the right place. When we choose to be in the right place, then we are a part of that which God has chosen. And we then 
because of our choice, become a part of the elect. I hope you got that, because that's contradictory to everything else you're going to hear. He has chosen you because of your choice to be in the right place. So our choice is to be where God has chosen. And that statement that I've used very often is that we participate in the destiny of that to which we belong. Every place has a destiny. And if it's God's place, its destiny is with him. If it is, did not begin with God, its destiny is destruction. Now let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Here are some contextual points of this chapter. <clears throat> don't know how far we'll be able to go today. I'm going to be using the... Uh, I don't know whether Alex can find this or not, but... Um, uh, do you have uh, Young's um, literal available to us? We're going to look at verses 1 to 3, uh, maybe verse 4, maybe verse 5, depending on how far we go. We're going to quit on time. We're going to quit in about three minutes because Al, uh, Ab, Abner has to go. He, he, well, I won't tell you what he's going to do. It, it, it's something else. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. <clears throat> So in 1 Peter chapter 1, we're, we're going we're gonna to look at something here because this is introducing the living hope of which we must be a part of and we have to enter into it. You see, we're trying to establish why subjectivism of Christendom is in error and that faith is what's real. And if it's, if it's real then that's what we want to be a part of. But we have to understand it by faith, by what God has said, not by what we can see or visualize. So in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the chosen sojourners or the elect. And by the way, that's an adjective. Choice here or the word elect. If, if you have... The regular translation, they don't have that word. They put it in later because when they put it in two verses later, it looks like it is God's, what God does. Here is they are chosen because they're unique from those who didn't obey the gospel. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the choice sojourners of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, there was a plan. There was a thought on how you become chosen. How you become elect. It's by your choice. That's why I introduced that in our introduction today. According to a thought-through plan of God or through the foreknowledge of God. That means a plan that is thought through by God concerning you. And it means that you must be, in the rest of that verse, in the sanctification of spirit. There's no article there. If the article, if he has that up there, that article should be removed. There's no article there in the Greek at all. It should just read, in sanctification of 
or into spirit. So, so here, or, or, or spirit, into obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So when those who become chosen are those who become sanctified in their spirit into, and the process then changes our state into obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the continual aspect of being under the blood of Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. So we have in verse 2 that God has a plan. The plan that is when people are sanctified in spirit, their spirit, God's spirit doesn't need to be sanctified. He's talking about in the spirit that needs to be sanctified, that's your spirit. When your spirit is sanctified, God has a plan that when that takes place and you set your spirit aside toward God, you move into obedience. And that's the evidence that you have been sanctified in spirit. You move into a mindset of being obedient and into the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ the continual forgiveness of sin is made available to you. Blessed in verse 3, then, spoken well, speak well of God and the, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to the abundance of his kindness did beget us again or gave us a new beginning. And this is the word we're after in all of that discussion. He he gave us a new beginning, where? Into a living hope, or as, the, as Jung says, into, or to a living hope. The word is really into. Into a living hope. We have moved into a living hope. It means a change of state from no hope, or a dead hope, or a failing hope, into a hope that is alive and well into a living hope. It must, we can only acquire that when we have sanctified our spirit, made our spirit dedicated to doing the right thing to and into obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, then and only then can we be transferred into a living hope, moving into Christ, living hope that is found only in him. And what is the process in the rest of that verse? Through the rising again of Jesus Christ out of the dead. So the evidence that there is a living hope and that we can become a participant of it is that Jesus Christ rose out of the dead. We're going to close with that. You dwell on that. Think on those things. We're going to sing our closing homes, our closing hymn today, if we have one. Do we have one? We do. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.